You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Happy Advent, y'all. Yes. It is actually Advent. It is now Advent. That's right. I'm so happy. We can say Happy Advent now. And last week, we had the opportunity to look ahead to the coming Sunday, the first Sunday in Advent with Pastor Matt Richard. We're going to do that again this week, looking ahead to the text for Advent 2 in the one-year lectionary. Looking forward to doing that. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, the Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. He's also author of Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Pastor Richard, welcome back to the Coffee Hour. It's good to be here, guys. We are looking forward to digging into God's Word. That was really fun last week. I enjoyed the opportunity to look ahead to the, the first Sunday in Advent in the one-year lectionary. And so we're going to do that again today. Last week we were in Matthew, I believe, right? So this week we are going to move over to Luke because, as you pointed out last week, the one-year lectionary gives us a nice picture of all four of the Gospels um, in one whole year, which is nice. All right, so we're going to Luke this week, right? Yeah, yep, absolutely. Yep. Luke Luke chapter 21 verses 25 to 36. All right. We're ready if you are. All right. The title says the coming of the son of man and it says this, and there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with a foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you will you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that the day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. I believe that's set to 36, right? Yep, 36. There we go. That's that's the end. There ends the reading. Merry Christmas, right? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> right? It's not Christmas yet. It's Advent. Ugh, Happy Advent. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, well, you, you read that. Boy, it's it's kind of heavy, you know, during during the Advent season to read that and to get hit with that right away. Yeah. What What is the theme for this Sunday in Advent in the one-year lectionary then with, with this kind of reading in Advent? Well, as we talked about last week, when we look at last week, it was about Jesus who came. And so the whole theme of Advent kind of encapsulates, encapsulates, boy, tough of that word, summarizes. (laughs) 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 All right. So the the whole Advent covers uh, Jesus coming in the past, Jesus coming in the present, and Jesus coming in the future. So last week was him coming in the past, uh, focusing on his approaching and coming near us. And now this text is about Jesus is going to be coming to us again in the future at some point in time. And then in the weeks to come, it's about Jesus coming to us in the present through the Word and Sacrament. So this is all about us 
uh, anticipating the coming of the Messiah. So again, maybe last week was Advent 1, which was the title of that, but that's the first Advent in his incarnation, putting on human flesh. This is going to be his second Advent, the Advent where he's going to come back to judge the living and the dead to make all things new, that great second coming. So this is the Advent of our King. The that's pi- a hymn too. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Now you're just going to have hymns stuck in your head the whole time. We're that's totally fine. That's appropriate though, right? That's what hymns are meant to do. It's true. To We carry them in our hearts so that we carry God's word in our heart, right? Um, the parousia, is that the right word for Ooh. what we're looking at too? That That's like, that's worth more than a penny. That's a big that's trivia a big question answer there. Thanks. Sometimes I remember big words. Uh, occasionally I do. <laughs> so the, the a parable, parable of the fig tree. Hmm. That involves fruit and food. I like that. So let's take a look at this. He tells them the parable, look at the fig at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. And then uh, even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Ah, uh, Parables. Do, do, do we get parables? Do we really get them? Do we really understand them? Well, you know, parable. Okay, so so the difficulty with parables is... You know, usually there's one meaning that Jesus is driving, and uh, the context really helps set this for us. And so, uh, Jesus, before the parable, he says, when you see all these signs, okay, what, what does he mean by signs? These are natural disasters. These are these are phenomenons, things that are happening that just make you say, whoa, what's going on? These are the things that catch you. And so, you you hear this all the time in conversations, you know, with, with a person. You're like, did you hear what happened, you know, with this natural disaster? Or do, do you hear what's going on with this war? It, it's the things that take us out of the daily grind, these signs there, things in the—actually, we go through the daily grind, obviously, you know, Monday through Friday, and we're just kind of going along living our lives, and then these signs, these things happen, and they grab our attention. And so, what does Jesus say with these signs? Uh, these are opportunities to realize that salvation is drawing near. So, we lift up our chin. And then he goes to this whole idea of the tree, right? And so, when a tree actually has leaves and it actually starts to blossom and, and it actually shows life, it, it shows what? There's going to be fruit that's coming. And so, he uses this example to basically kind of convey that point that though we don't know the exact time or hour of his second coming, anytime we do see a sign, that sign is to what causes us to lift up our chins and know what salvation's almost near. And so we live, as I've said many, many times here at St. Paul's, we live in anticipation as Christians, anticipating just as they anticipated the birth of the Messiah in the Old Testament, we anticipate his second coming yet again in his second advent. When we look at this this parable and just the, the tone of this parable sounds a lot like warning, like to be prepared, be ready. Is this warning for for the believer? Is it warning or is it comfort when when we talk about Jesus' return for us? Yeah, so when we see these signs, the the whole point is we can see these signs and what we can do is we can well let's think of it this way uh, think of the old tale of the ostrich right so and I don't know if that's necessarily true if ostriches do this if they put their head in the sand um, but nonetheless the idea is that when a threat comes or something big and bad comes at us the tendency is for us to pull the ostrich to put our head in the sand to what hide ourselves from it and so we can look at these big bad things. And these big bad things that happen, these signs, if you will, they can cause us a great deal of discomfort and we will want want to bury our head in the sand. 
But Jesus is simply saying, no, you don't have to look at these signs as big bad things, even though they maybe are. But these big bad things that you pers- you know that you see, let those be an indicator that number one, this world that you live in is 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 marred by sin. Uh, it's not a perfect world. Uh, it is a world that's impacted by sin in so many different degrees. Um, also, let it be that these signs uh, maybe dislodge you from your grind, your comfort, and then cause you to lift up your chin and to realize that Jesus is coming back. That you're not going to be left alone in this veil of tears. You're not going to be left alone in the daily grind. You're not going to be forgotten in the grave. And so may these signs serve as an opportunity to maybe wake you up out of your slumber. May they, may, may they rattle your cage just a bit. And instead of rattling your, rattling your cage and sticking your head in the sand, no, lift up your chin. Lift up your chin. The Son of God who was crucified, dead, and buried, and rose again, who's at the right hand of the Father, he's coming back for you, and he's not going to forsake you or leave you. He's coming back to take you home unto himself. So when bad things happen, uh, in faith, in confidence, who you are as a Christian, knowing what you know about the Christ who is risen from the dead, lift up your chin and look up high, knowing that today could be the day. Today could be the day that Jesus comes back for me. The word lift keeps coming up again and again. And we, and we hear this in, in Advent hymns, lift up your heads. Mm-hmm. See, There's another one. Another hymn. Got to get a bingo card for this. <laughs> How many hymns will Andy reference in this episode? I think we're up to three. <laughs> lift up. That, that And stir up comes up soon too, doesn't it? Mm, in, in yeah. Advent as well. All right. So lift up this theme. Anything else on that lift up theme before we move on to the next topic? Well, you know, and, and that lift up idea is, is is super because later on he says in verse 34 and following, he said, be careful, be on guard of being weighed down. And this whole idea these things can happen in life, they can weigh us down and they create all sorts of worry and anxiety and so forth. And, and as Christians, we're not uh, called and redeemed into Christ to be set in a place of constant worry. So every time something bad happens that we're frantically running around, you know, with despair and and anxiety and so forth, but there's a confidence that is to be had as we lift up our chin. Now, that doesn't give us a reason to be flippant or <clears throat> irresponsible, obviously. We want to definitely take care of the things of the day, being good stewards of the resources that have been given to us. But when these, again, these signs happen, we lift up our chin, careful that we're not weighed down, weighed down with, you know, he goes on to talk about drunkenness and so forth, which can be, you know, literal and metaphoric, if you will, that we're not, again, putting our head in the sand. What do we learn about this to be prepared for the second coming, there's a lot of really mm, scary-sounding stuff in this passage. What does that mean for us? You know, the the, the gospel lesson for this last—well, actually been two weeks ago on for the last Sunday of the church year— was this parable, another parable, right? The parable of the, the, the ten virgins, right? The ten bridesmaids. And, and half of them had oil in their lamps, the others, other half didn't. And so when the groom came to have the party, half of them were ready with oil in their lamp to make that journey, the other half didn't. And so the whole point of the parable is to have oil, to be, to be ready. And so for, for us as Christians, we live in anticipation Again, anticipation of the second coming of Jesus, and how do we? How are we ready? We're ready when we have Jesus and His gifts, when we're abiding in Christ, when we know who we belong to, that when we have His grace and His mercy, the forgiveness of sins. And so, now 
obviously there's there's a point and a time to be prepared. You know, I live out in the country here in North Dakota. We have gasoline to prepare and we have generators and and I have snow removal and we have, you know, those kind of things to prepare for if something were to happen. Uh, but when it comes to the second coming, uh, we don't need gasoline. We don't need to have a generator. Uh, we need Jesus and his gifts. We need his forgiveness of sins. We need to be ready in in those gifts, anticipating with our chins up, sober-minded, awake, alert, knowing again, today could be the day. I have a parishioner, Scott, he's my chairman, a great guy, just love my chairman at St. Paul's. And he says, he said to me once, he said, you know, pastor, he goes, I wake up every morning and I don't say today is the day I could die. He goes, I wake up every morning and I realize today's the day that I might meet Jesus. Either Jesus is coming back, potentially could come back today, or I might fall asleep in Jesus and fall asleep and be laid in a holy grave until the great resurrection. But today is the day that I could meet Jesus. And that captures everything. What what Jesus is talking about is anticipating that today could be the day that I meet Jesus. And if that's the case, if today is the day I can meet Jesus, then every day has meaning. Every day has purpose. Every day is 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 crystallized and 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 it's given meaning from that context that that there is what there is a potential resurrection of the dead today. There is a potential what I could be uh, transformed into a brand new body in the presence of Jesus. Every day is given meaning in spite of all the calamity we see. Mm. So to be ready for this, for that advent, the parousia, the return of Christ, we have to embrace the advent of Christ coming to us in his word and sacrament. Yeah, yeah, and that, and again, that's the whole theme of Advent. You have his 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 first coming, his second coming, and his present coming. And so, <clears throat> as we covered last week, this idea that we have a peculiar King who seeks after us, and so we don't pursue Him and try to find Him. He is that Lion who hunts us, and so He comes to us initially in His birth. And then he goes to us through his cross by dying that death that we should be dying, but he dies in our stead, in our place. And then he comes back for us yet again. And then he comes to us in the present, the here and now. He comes right before us in that divine service through the words of his servant, the pastor, and he pronounces the words, I forgive you of all of your sins. And uh, we see that baptismal font that uh, we were snatched from darkness and put into the light, and then God slapped his name upon us. He branded us. Uh, he has written our name upon his name upon us. And then he, through the servant, the pastor, the word of God is read and proclaimed and poured into our ears, comes to us. And then we go to that table and we're served the gifts. And so everything, you know, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves with the upcoming series, but nonetheless, it's great. I mean, our divine service is about the divine serving us. And so we sit in the pew as the audience and God is the what? He is the performer. He's the one that gives. He's the one that distributes. And so, so often in American Christianity, we, we get this idea that God is the audience and mankind in the pew. We're the performer, that we're what? That we're delivering unto God. Now, there's a sense where we, we offer up worship and praise and so forth, but that's only after we've been given to first. And so the divine service is all about this great God who delivers gifts. And so if the arrow is pointing anywhere, it's from that altar out to the pew. It's from that font out to the pew. It's from the the, uh, pulpit and the lectern. It's all from that out towards the pew to receive these good gifts. And so how are we prepared for the great eschaton, the great coming of Jesus, the second coming? We're constantly receiving every single day, constantly receiving his good gifts 
uh, that are bestowed upon us. Ah, oh, there it is. There's another fun word, eschaton. Yes. <laughs> Love it. It's Advent, the season of fun words. We are, <laughs> we're taking a look at the upcoming Sunday in Advent. This will be the second Sunday in Advent in the One Year Lectionary with Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment right here on the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live Uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are taking a look at the text for this coming Sunday in the one-year lectionary in the season of Advent. So taking a look at the second Sunday in Advent with the Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. He's also author of Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? We are in Luke chapter 21 today. Pastor, does this connect us back to any Old Testament references in today's text? Yeah, I, I think, as we mentioned here earlier, there, there's there's this idea, you know, oftentimes we look at, okay, let's back this up here. We look at the cross of Christ, the, the birth of Christ, the life of Jesus, and we often say that the Old Testament uh, saints were looking forward to the coming of Jesus. And we say, well, okay, if they're looking forward to the coming of Jesus, we're looking back to Jesus' coming. But in a sense, we're also looking forward as well, again, because of that second coming. And so uh, as we anticipate Christ, they were anticipating Christ as well. And so as far as anything particular, you know, I'm trying to look here as far as uh, there, there, were, there are definitely signs that are spoken of in the Old Testament as well. And this idea, again, of the sign is, is, is these, these events that happen that jar us out of the grind of life and they cause us to look forward. And, and there were definitely signs that were spoken of in the Old Testament uh, that were fulfilled in, in Christ. Uh, for instance, his, even his crucifixion as far as uh, everything turning dark at 12 o'clock noon and then the earthquake that happened. And then we talked last week about the, the uh, donkey, riding on the donkey. All of these things are coming to fruition in Christ. And so, yeah, we definitely see these connections, which I love how the authors of the New Testament are always binding us back to the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the Malachi passage that is the Old Testament reading for this Sunday, Malachi 4, 1 through 6, that there's a lot of, of overlap between what Malachi says there and what we have in this Luke passage about the signs and the, and the coming of the end of the age. Yeah, I, I I just love Malachi, and I'm just I'm thinking of a, I'm thinking of a you know little side note here. I'm thinking about a, I heard the story once upon a time. This guy he said, okay, uh, teaching a Bible study as a guest teacher, and he said, I'm going to have everyone stand up. I'm going to uh, read a text here today from the Italian prophet Malachi, oh. and, uh, and, and 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 nobody laughed. And he's like, oh. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> but but back to not Malachi, Malachi. 
so so yeah so Malachi we have this whole idea of this this coming the, this coming of the Lord now now keep in mind when we look at the first advent of Jesus there's there's a, a coming of humility he's he's coming with humility being born in Bethlehem, laid in a manger. There's this almost sentimental kind of nostalgic kind of feeling to that first coming that we can really connect to. But when we look at the second coming, and Malachi really points this out, that the second coming of Jesus, the gloves are off. The gloves are absolutely off. And so his first coming is in humility to put on flesh to suffer, to to march towards that cross. But his second coming is one of glory and power and majesty and might. And so this second coming of Jesus is one where he comes with the full force. Now, when we hear that as Christians, there should be a sense where that should startle startle us a little bit. And it should. I mean, because we're not dealing with, you know, just a tame Jesus. We're dealing with the full lion here. We're dealing with the lion of Judah. We're dealing with Christ in his full majesty and power uh, coming yet again. So there should be a sense of reverence before that idea of his second coming. But at the same time, we have to remember that the one that is coming to judge the living and the dead, he's our friend. He's our redeemer. He's the one who has claimed us and purchased us. And so at that great second coming, the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Uh, that means every knee. That means the, the knee of the pagan and the knee of the Christian. We will bow our knees in, in gladness and joy and reverence. They will be bowing their knee, knee out of fear. We will confess Jesus as Lord out of joy. They will be doing it with fear and intrepidation. And so the Christ that is coming, in a sense, it should bring us to a sense of reverence and awe that he's coming in back with power and might. And at the same time, we, we, we trust Jesus, we fear, love, and trust him, and we love him and trust him because he was made, made all things new. He will make all things new, and he has redeemed us, and he is our friend through the redemption of his blood. Hmm. Something that stands out, and maybe we've talked about this a little bit already, but something that stands out for me in verse 34, as you were talking about some of the things, you know, our, our soberness, that sort of thing, but the, the phrase, and I can't remember which translation I pulled up for this, your hearts will be weighed down. I thought that was interesting. You know, we were talking about soberness, but uh, really isn't that what some of these things do, uh, carousing and drunkenness and anxieties of life? Be careful, your hearts will be weighed down with these things. You know, sometimes we think about some of those things as not necessarily weighing our hearts down, but when when we look at it from the, the oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? From the, the, the sinful view of life in this world, we don't necessarily think of it as our hearts being weighed down, but that's what... Oh, hedonism. That's the mm, word I'm looking for. Yeah. Don't necessarily, we wouldn't see it as hearts being weighed down, but that's what life is all about from that worldview. But this is what weighs us down are these things. Yeah. You know, this this last two weeks ago, actually been two weeks ago, we talked about this at St. Paul's and the sermon about how uh, oftentimes we, we can run to things such as, you know, the bottle, let's just say, drugs and alcohol. Now, I don't want to just specifically pick on that, but it, it can, makes a lot of sense that when when we are faced with the things of this world, again, the daily grind, the struggles of life, and then to boot on top of that, these natural calamities and these other things that happen, it's enough to cripple us. And so oftentimes we run to 
the bottle, per se, to numb us, to help us endure and to make it through. And not only that, but we can, we can have all sorts of different mechanisms that we use to escape from the burdens of this life. And we can run to our woodworking shop, we can run to quilting, we can run to exercise, we can run to all these things that are good in themselves, but we can use them as things to, again, numb us, numb us and, 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 and soften the, the blow of the struggles of life. But then the process of doing that, we're actually asleep. And we can fall asleep, and you know Paul talks about this in uh, his letter to the first first Thess- first Thessalonians to the Christians there about how uh, you can actually fall asleep and not be prepared. The alternative, what Jesus is laying forth here, is a sober reality, not necessarily just necessarily literal sober, but but metaphorically too as well to have our eyes open, to be alert, to be aware, and to be in the moment. And again, that goes back to what I was mentioning about my chairman, Scott, how he he says that each day could be the day that I meet Jesus. And so then you're awake, your eyes are open, you live each day knowing that Jesus could come back today and gives meaning and purpose and, and all that that goes with it. And so there again, he's, 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 he's pulling that out where we can numb ourselves, but also kind of to your point there, Andy, is these things, they have a way of, of indeed weighing us down. They have a way of pulling us down into the mud, into the muck, and we become overwhelmed. Our mind can be divided. We can have this just weighing down on us, and we fail to realize that this life that we live is, is in, in the great deal sense, it is temporary. Uh, we call this the veil of tears, uh, the valley of tears. And so we can get sucked into the valley of tears and not look beyond it, knowing that this too shall pass. And so in a sense, the second coming of Jesus, this Advent text that we're looking at here today, helps us understand that even though I may be going through suffering and struggle right now, this too shall pass in a little while. And in a little while, I will see Jesus face to face and that he will redeem me, redeem us out of this veil of tears, this valley of tears and make all things right. So that anticipation has a way of giving us hope which hope is anchored in something that is to come. Mm-hmm. Well, we're almost out of time. So do you want to put a bow on this and and let's look ahead to what we're going to be looking at next week as well? Yeah, as, as we covered here last week, Christ came to us in that manger, Bethlehem. Christ comes to us someday in the future, the great eschaton, the great end day. And then the weeks to come, we'll talk about how Christ comes to us in the present, which we hit on today, which I'm glad we did. But we can hit more on that in the future about how he will continually come to us in his ministry to sustain us. Really, it's to sustain us between his first coming and his second coming. He comes to us in the middle of that to sustain us through this valley of tears all the way to the end. Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota, and author of Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Pastor Richard, thanks so much for being our guest Looking ahead to the next Sunday in Advent. Thanks. It was fun, fun time, guys. Thanks. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.